Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach, Jordana Michelle. And if you're not already with the woman of your dreams and you're ready to finally find her so you can be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminating rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before we go any further, I have a question. Have you ever wanted to deepen the intimacy you share with your partner or lovers? Have you ever wanted to experience more intense sensuality when you're playing with your partner or lovers? If so, then it's time to learn about Tantra. Tantra is one of those things that most people have heard of but don't really know much about. The problem is that so many Tantra teachers are too out there and eccentric and hard for the average person to relate to. Even Oprah Winfrey had this problem. Back when Oprah first wanted to teach her audience about Tantra, she needed to find a teacher who's mainstream enough for them to relate to. The teacher Oprah found was Lisa Schrader. The great thing about Lisa is that she's down to earth and normal, and she teaches Tantra in a way that anyone can relate to. And in this episode of Women Wanting Women, Lisa Schrader teaches us a series of simple tantric practices that any couple can use to deepen their sensuality as well as their connection with each other. I have to admit, I was really surprised by how many valuable tips Lisa generously shared with us during this interview, and I am sure you're going to want to take notes. So grab something to write with, and I hope you enjoy this amazing introduction to Tantra with the lovely Lisa Schrader. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hello, Jordana. So beautiful to be with you. So I just want to jump right in because I know that Oprah invited you on her show. <laughs> and when she did, it had something to do with work you were doing around Tantra. Is that correct? That's correct. So tell me that whole story. Mm. Well, we actually have Sting to thank for that and his wife, Trudy. My understanding is that Oprah was interviewing Sting and Trudy and extremely interested in their tantric sexuality and what that was and they did speak about it briefly on the show and shortly thereafter Oprah said to her team of producers get me somebody who can talk about tantra I want to know more about this and so in a series of miracles frankly those synchronistic experiences that you could never replicate or really explain my name got put in front of the producer by a woman who had just recently attended one of my tantric women's retreats and happened to be on a database of Bay Area marketing professionals. And by some other incredible miracle, the phone rang and one of the producers was interviewing me. And by even more of a miracle, I seemed to say what she wanted to hear. And I think my husband at the time and I were much more normal, I'd say more mainstream. Uh, both of us had careers. We weren't career Tantra teachers. In fact, we were relatively new Tantra teachers, but we were passionate about the topic and it was really making a difference in our marriage and in our sex life. And so we had begun to teach some workshops about it. And yeah, within 36 hours, we were on a plane to Chicago and to working with a lovely couple who were trying to spice up their sex life. Um, and yeah, ended up on the show talking about Tantra, I think as the first Tantra teachers that had ever been on Oprah. 
you know, answering some questions and giving a little demonstration of what that might look like. And yeah. I love it. So what, what you think the producers wanted to hear was they wanted to touch in with someone who was mainstream, who had careers so that you'd be relatable, but still passionate enough and knowledgeable enough to be giving your own workshops and doing a demonstration. I think that's accurate. And I would also say that my sense also of why God and goddess really placed us in front of, you know, millions of people worldwide and declared us to be Tantra experts, which of course we were not Tantric experts, (laughs) but was that the world of quote unquote Tantra, particularly I would say neo-Tantra, people who have taken those traditions and brought them to the West is a, is a, a pretty wacky, eclectic group of teachers And I think there's some incredible teachers and I think there's plenty of charlatans and people who are all about the sexual aspects of Tantra and less about the spiritual underpinnings of the practices. And my sense was that, and I had, I've also heard that they talked to many, many, many quote unquote Tantra teachers. They being Oprah. Yes, the producers. And I think for for many reasons, there was something about my husband and I that felt, I hope, authentic and maybe more safe for mainstream audiences. And I would like to think aligned. Yeah. Um, I have so many questions. First of all, I want to know what you did on that demonstration. And then I would love to know all of these wacky, eclectic charlatans that you might have had to weave through in order to pull out the wisdom that was going to work for you and your, at the time, husband, who I think you're calling your husband. I mean, you're, My husband. That's yeah. cute. So first, tell me about this demonstration. And then I just want to hear about your whole experience, like diving into Tantra, where you got, you know, and where you got started and stuff. So what did you do on Oprah? Well, the demo, that's pretty quick because it was a, a sexual makeover show, right? So any of you who've watched Tantra, you know you, you're, you're getting literally about three minutes. And so we actually spent a day with this lovely couple and taught them some really basic practices of, you know, sitting together, coming into presence, doing some basic meditation Um, awakening their senses, you know, helping them actually get in their body using their senses, really connecting soul to soul with a practice that uh, is called soul gazing, where you're just really looking deeply into the eyes of your beloved in the attempt to move past the personality and that more ego presentation and actually drop into the spark of divinity. You might say, you know, the origins of this beautiful word namaste where you actually see the divine in the person that you're gazing at right so really seeing the god or the goddess inside of them so some really you know basic practices of helping to bring more sacredness into our lovemaking and our and our sexuality so we kind of ran them through a series of practices like that and then sent them off to practice in their bedroom <laughs> That's beautiful. And it sounds basic, but I don't, I don't know that it's obvious to everyone. Uh, and I love what you talked about sitting together, coming into presence, being present mm-hmm. in the moment. I assume that's what you mean away mm-hmm. from the chatter of our minds as a practice in almost a meditative way, getting into our body, using our senses again, as a practice, really intentionally doing it, um, mm-hmm. gazing deeply in each other's eyes to move past the personality doing that. It's one thing to just, you know, two people get horny and sort of come together, but it's another thing to really create a ritual around it and do these practices. And so interesting. So I really would love to hear more about how you learn these things. And so walk me through, but when did you go to your first Tantra class and what was that like? Or what was your first Mm. learning experience with Tantra? Well, like, like a lot of things, it came out of feeling like something was broken, feeling like there was a real less connection in our marriage than we wanted. So I would say, and I refer to this beautiful man as my husband, because we're still very, very good friends. And we 
have a daughter together. We were married for 20 years and I've recently remarried after a long hiatus and a beautiful eight-year courtship with my current husband. And some fun with ladies. And some fun with ladies in between, yeah. Can't forget that. I've always had a thing for the ladies. You did? (laughs) Yeah, I always did, yeah. Before your husband? Yeah, yeah, way back. Yeah, way back as a child even. Oh, wow. And what was the attitude around that then? Because we're not in the same uh, peer group. Oh, very secretive. Yeah, no, I knew that had to be kept secret, you know, even as a child. But yeah, I always felt that, you know, what was happening in my body, what what I would call the Shakti, the life force energy that, you know, sometimes is orgasmic and sexual in nature, that kind of kundalini flow might be another, the kundalini shakti. I knew that that happened for me in many ways. It happened when I felt a lot of love for somebody. It happened when my body was really sensually alive, like when I would dive into the ocean or lay my wet body on the hot sand. And that that would happen with girlfriends. That feeling would happen with, you know, girlfriends and also with boyfriends and men friends. And so that was yeah, always a, an aspect of, I think, saying yes to life, which is actually another quick definition of the word Tantra. One of the great Tantric teachers, Osho, uh, defined Tantra in its simplest form by simply saying yes to life, that all of life is here for us to experience, not just the yummy parts, but the intense parts as well, and that it is all to be embraced. It is all to be welcomed. And that when we can say yes to all of life and not compartmentalize it or push away parts of it that we don't like, that we're actually walking the tantric path. And so I would say that this, you know, emphasis on sexuality, which is not all of what tantra is, but given that we're saying yes to life, then these moralistic ideas that what we're feeling in our body, that our bodies are not okay, that our bodies are somehow sinful, you know, this whole overlay from that um, more religious negativity or sex negative um, energy that we've been so many of us raised in. It makes sense that as we're saying yes to all of life, that we're going to include our sexuality in that, you know, we're going to include our sexual expression in our yes to life. Right. So then when you went back to Tantra, you went back to that feeling that you got, you allowed yourself to enjoy women too, because you had remembered it from when you were younger. I would say that's absolutely true. Yeah. But when you were younger, you weren't practicing, you know, you hadn't learned Tantra or yes to life yet. So how would, how would other girls know you were open to it? Or how did you know if other girls were? It's because we're, back in that in that time it must have been even more well right and I wouldn't even say I mean I didn't actually have I I was curious like for example in as a child and in high school and that was just simply finding other you know girls who were curious I didn't have a lot of experiences but I had a few but how did you know they were curious? Because I didn't have those experiences in high school because uh, I didn't even know I was and I and no one asked me. And I even if I had thought to ask, I wouldn't have known how or who to ask. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. Well, I think I was lucky in that I was very involved in theater and drama from a young age all the way through um, high school. And so I think in, in general, I was hanging out inside of cultures that were uh, more open and more curious and more welcoming of homosexuality and alternative ways of looking and seeing. And, you know, we liked being eclectic and weird. And so those conversations were just more likely to happen. I totally should have been a theater kid. Yeah. Yeah. You might, you might've felt more at home. Cool. Totally. (laughs) All right. So I love it. Beautiful. All right. So now you're back to, you were talking about you and your husband and it started from, there was less connection in the marriage than you wanted. Yeah. And so, you know, I would say I had had actually very little sexual experience before I'd had one other significant relationship with a man before getting hooking up with my then, you know, the man that I was going to get married to and have a baby with. And so the result of that, I think, was that there was a there wasn't 
a lot of sexual experience that either one of us were drawing on when we decided to get monogamous at 23 years old. And so, you know, 10 years or so into that marriage, including a child. And then we had, I had two miscarriages after the birth of my daughter. And so ours, which was just devastating for me. That's what I thought my path would be like, just full on mama, you know, career mama. I, I knew I wanted to have a career and I knew I wanted to, um, be a mom. And so our sexuality, at least from my perspective, was really geared toward fertility, you know, for the first part of our marriage. And then with the loss, particularly of that last baby, we really came to a crossroads around getting honest with each other. He was done. He didn't want any more children. He finally really declared that. And so I had to go through my whole grieving process. And then we really reoriented our sexuality around something different. So if it wasn't going to be about fertility, what was it going to be about? And we actually, you know, stood, I remember very well on the deck for New Year's in the year 2001 and clinked our champagne glasses and said, let this be the year for us where we really discover more about our sexuality. We really start to invest as a couple into who are we as sexual beings and what do we really want? Because we'd had a lot of, we'd had, you know, not just the loss of the babies and the whole fertility journey, but we had a lot of challenges sexually. We didn't feel a lot of natural turn on for each other. We knew that we didn't really know what we were doing with each other. We didn't, we knew how to please each other, but there was a lot of pieces of our sexuality that felt just frankly, not very satisfying for either one of us. And I think we're also uh, happened to be two people who were really interested in sex. We, we wanted that part of our relationship to be really vibrant. So I would also say that not everybody has this strong desire to have really vibrant, you know, passionate sexuality in their lives. That is super important to me. It always has been, right? So I knew this was a place where we needed to go get some more support and the support that showed up was a book about Tantra. What book was it? It was uh, a book by Charles and Carolyn Muir. Um, I remember the cover of it. It's blue. And it was kind of an introduction to Tantra. I think it was the art of tantric sex or the art of sexual loving or something like that. And so we went away for a weekend. We just started reading it together. We like read chapters to each other. So you were this super sexual person and your partner sounds like he was too, but somehow together there were missing pieces and you were both really yeah. committed to finding out how to find those pieces and put them together so that you could have a more yes. really fun time together in, in that whole domain. So that's really exciting. Yeah. I would also add to that, that we felt like we just didn't have very much education about sexuality. And I think this is something that most of us suffer from, right? We like are, especially for the, for the kids growing up now, but maybe more your generation than mine, most people are getting information about sexuality through pornography. Like it was pretty hard for you know, I'm in my mid fifties. It was hard to find, get your hands on porn when I was coming of age. Like you had to go to little video stores or you had to like find it in some friend's brother's closet, like a, an old, you know, cassette, whatever VHS cassette. But, you know, nowadays people just like, you know, it's just, it's ubiquitous. You can get it at, it's at your fingertips everywhere. But the point of all of that is that that is one of the only ways we get educated or we bumble along with our friends and try to figure it out on our own. But for the most part, we don't get, we don't get a lot of education about the sacredness of our bodies or our orgasmic potential as women, especially most porn is like geared towards heterosexual men, right? Or it's, you know, it's not, it's better now, but you know, that's not the greatest place. I'm not anti-porn, but I don't think that's the greatest place to go get educated about what sex is. No, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Right. And I, but I do think, cause now there are, I, even just on this podcast alone, I've been speaking to more and more people who are stepping into that role of being the teachers that just weren't there before. So I think there is an exciting new future where all of us can, are, you know, have more access to these, to these learnings. It's Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just burgeoning right now. It's just so exciting. So exciting. You know? yeah. So exciting. And there's so much, there's so much more, uh, yeah, content around conscious sexuality and embracing our sexuality than there ever has been. And I, I feel super excited about that. Yeah, me too. So wait, I don't want to lose the story though. So you get this book and so you go away book. with your husband, your husband for the weekend. Was there anything in the book other than, I mean, I think just having that intention alone and having that, that time away together must've been very exciting just in and of itself. But what would you say was your favorite takeaway from the book? What worked the best that you learned from it? For for both of us, it was a revelation. It was truly a revelation that sexuality could be a spiritual experience. I mean, we loved each other. We had definitely a heart connection, but sex for us really felt like more mechanical. Like how do you get this part to go with this part? And how do you both have an orgasm? And how do you turn each other on? And frankly, what happened for me was that I realized how much a, a more spiritual context to our lovemaking was a key to my actual turn on. So that was a big piece. And so what does that mean to you instead of just, you know, semantics? Like when, it, when, you, really, when you really break that down, what does that mean to you? Like on a, on a, on a, on a specific simple example, which is something that we – you know, tried to offer a little taste of on, on our like, Oprah experience was that this being that I was making love to was actually a spark of the divine. So it just, it wasn't just my somewhat annoying husband who did what I wanted him to do or didn't do what I wanted him to do. But when we could actually drop in, I would say, you know, through meditation, through breath and actually start to feel that we, you know, this was actually a spark of the divine. This was like a God that I was going to merge my body with. And when he started to look at me more that way, that this was actually the goddess herself, that brought our relating to a whole different level than it had ever been, been before. That's just one piece. There's a lot of pieces. I think also Tantra um, taught us how to slow down and be present versus just racing towards the orgasm, right? So suddenly for me and my woman body, there was a kind of slowing down and delighting in and connecting to what was actually presently happening in my body, being, being much more frankly embodied and less up in my head, you know, arguing or judging or not letting myself relax or criticizing how he was doing it or not doing it. It was just like it dropped me out of my head and more, more into my body. And then that slowing down, I think was something that I think we were both really craving, but particularly I was really craving. So how did you achieve it? Like, how do you, instead of just saying the word slow down, like what is really the practice of slowing down? You work with breath. You, you set an intention. First of all, for that, you work with breath. What is the thing you do with the breath? you, there's so many breathing practices. You're, I mean, the simplest one is to slow down your breath and synchronize your breath. Are you mouth to mouth when you do that? No, usually sitting apart. And so, you know, you might sit, you know, if I was practicing with you and I would say, okay, Jordana, let's just gaze into each other's eyes. Let's really connect. Let's feel our hearts. Right. And let's begin to breathe more deeply. That's, the, that's just would be step one, just really practicing that inhalation and exhalation and just getting into presence. Now, the more you practice that, the more quickly you can do it. And then you can do things where you're actually, I'm exhaling energetically into your body as you're inhaling. So then we're, we're doing more of a circular breathing which ultimately is just bringing us both into presence, into oneness, but it's also helping us to start to move our energy together before any kind of, you know, necessarily genital contact is happening or, 
even sexual stimulation starts to happen. There's, I mean, that's just one super simple example, but there's many, many, many ways to start working with breath, but that's an incredible pathway into presence and into spirit. That's beautiful. So the circular breathing, it starts with your synchronized and then how do you know to switch? Like who switches into inhaling the other's exhale or does it just automatically? It's not like you can't talk about it. You right. can go, okay, now let's do it this way, right? Or a lot of times, you know, as you're practicing with your partner, you know, you'll just, one of you will take the lead. You know, one of you will know like to start doing that or you can even start to do something with your hands, you know, where you're um, engaged that way. But it, there's no... I mean, there's, there's the pointers to all these practices, but when you're really making love with somebody or you're really engaged in even a tantric practice. So my beloved now, my husband now and I, we set aside time to have what we, what is more of a tantric practice together. Now that's different than just having quickie sex or just jumping each other's bones when we feel like doing that too, right? We have different ways that we make love, but we put this piece into our practice because it's so valuable. You know, this longer period of time, like where we'll actually say it's time for a tantric temple day where we're going to make love for many hours. And that doesn't mean we're going to have intercourse for many hours. It means we're going to connect heart to heart, right? We're going to do some honoring and appreciation of each other. Then we're going to move into some conscious touch. We're going to move into some conscious breathing, right? We're going to slow down the process you know, so that we're riding the waves of our orgasmic energy, we're bringing those up, and then we're allowing them to calm down, and then we're bringing them up again, so that we're eventually having very oftentimes an orgasm that feels a lot more potent, a lot more full of that kind of like sacred frequency that's a little difficult to accomplish if you're just banging your bodies together for a few minutes and having that kind of a sexual experience, which we love too. Right. That's great in its own way. But, yeah. But what you're describing. It's more like a banquet. Right. <laughs> it's fast food. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what you're describing is a ritualized, intentional time set aside to go through a series of practices where the practices are the structure as opposed to just free form fucking. Yeah. That's really cool. So these kinds of practices and, and setting aside time, I'm going back to my first marriage where things were, you know, difficult or were challenging for us, really became a way for us to in, increase our intimacy and increase actually our turn on with each other. And I would also say we, we learned a lot. We started learning a lot about the aspects of the of our sexual intimacy that just weren't working. And I frankly would say we had a, we had a bit of a chemistry issue, my husband and I, which we, I didn't realize. So what was it? I think that, you know, part of what I learned, we both learned early on was the idea of polarity, that polarity, meaning like two magnets, right, a, a positive and, an, and a negative pole, it creates magnetic attraction. He and I lived a lot in the middle of the spectrum. We were awesome, like best friends, and we did great co-parenting, and we supported each other as entrepreneurs and in business, and we built a home together, and, and we maintained that property together. Like, we were really good partners, and super compatible, but there wasn't a lot of like natural sexual energy and tension between us. Now that's partly because he was a hands-on healer and had a lot of his own beautiful yin qualities. And I tend to be, you know, kind of a, a very dry, more of a driver, very, a strong masculine presence in my, in my feminine life. And just, and what do you exactly mean when you say he had yin qualities? So I would call the yin qualities as opposed to the yang qualities. Their yin qualities are more aligned with the lunar energy, the moon energy. So cooler, more, a little bit more distant, a little more, uh, more receptive kind of in the, in that, you know, holding energy, like more like a vessel 
Whereas our young qualities tend to be much more solar, much more fiery, much more directed, much more um, giving versus receiving, more initiatory. And your new husband, who you have way more chemistry with, is he more? Yes. Which one is? He's much more young. And so, you know, he, he is, and I'm talking about sexually, uh, these could be personality types too, but what I'm really pointing to are, are sex is sexual chemistry because you can have, so for example, I have a lot of young energy, like when we're in an interview like this, or when I'm out coaching or when I'm teaching or when I'm bringing my awakening Shakti work out into the world, right? I have, a, I have that much more solar penetrating energy. And I, so that's an aspect of who I am in the world. But when it comes to who I, what really turns my animal body on sexually, it's being much more yin. I like being penetrated. I like having a partner who really initiates contact and and, and expresses their sexual desire for me. And I love to receive that. And that makes me juicy and super turned on. And so I didn't know that in my first marriage. And what I was trying to do was bring that young energy into the bedroom, right? And in much more in the form of like directing and, well, we should do this. And why don't we do this? And, you know, I was like, bringing that initiatory energy. And that actually didn't work in terms of the sexual chemistry in that marriage, right? Because my husband wanted a soft, yummy, feminine woman to make love to. He didn't want a super strong, young qualities in his woman. That just didn't turn him on. He appreciated it, especially outside of the bedroom, but that didn't make for sexual chemistry between us. Does that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. Well, we started to really be able to work with that. Once we could name that, we were, I, and, and it was a big practice. It was the beginning of me learning actually how to awaken my Shakti, right? So that became the, the name of this body of work that I'm bringing forward. So Shakti is more this feminine quality and is considered to be the goddess, right? This is taking us into Tantra and... Hindu traditions in India, and Shiva is more this masculine presence. And so in my journey of learning who I was sexually, it was really about softening into my feminine and figuring out who was she. There's many aspects of our feminine, and I was raised in the, fem you know, I was I was born mid sixties, like as mid sixties as you can get January of 65. So I was coming of age during the first wave feminist movement. And my mom was getting separated from my father at that time and stepping into being a single mom. And I, you know, I was getting this super big downloaded, don't depend on a man. You've got to take care of yourself. You know, you got to be a strong woman. And I was like really ready to embrace that. That worked for me beautifully until I actually brought it into my sexuality. And then my sexuality was like, I don't want to be that. I want to, I want to be soft. I want to know what that deep yin receptive energy of the feminine is. Yeah. And I just want to be really clear. And we, I've talked about this in prior podcasts. Actually, we talked a lot about this in my podcast with Liana, who introduced you and I to get to each other. Um, but when we talk about the feminine and the masculine, we're really not talking about male, female, or even the way anyone looks. We're talking about exactly. energies that we can embody. So what you were talking about with the don't depend on anybody, go out and make your own life, that's, um, yeah. uh, that's just an embrace of the masculine energy that we all have. So these are just arch archetypes and universal exactly. energies that we can call upon in ourselves in any way. So this isn't separating men from women. It's not separating an outward look of being more butch or dressing in any particular way, right? What is your way of defining this? That uh, I think that's this is super it's super important point, and that's it is so easy for us to do, to default into like, well, does that is this like a way a man's supposed to be, or is this way a woman's supposed to be, right? And it's not about gender. I don't even think it's necessarily about your sexual orientation. I think it's more this deeper question of what what your own truth is, 
you know, what, what your, what your own truth is and what are, what are the possibilities for you around just how you want to express yourself sexually or in any energy. So it sounds as though the way that the energy, whether it's a ma- the stepping into the masculine or feminine, we might be one way sexually in our sexuality in the bedroom. And then we might be a totally different way at work. And then we might be a totally different way in our family. Right. It sounds as of we, course we can choose. Yeah. Yeah. And I personally think it, if we're going back to the bedroom and sexuality, the, the most, the thing that turns me on the most is the, is a fluidity around that. So I would say at my core, if there's some kind of a continuum, (laughs) you know, I, around like what we might say is our, our masculine energies or our feminine energies or or more yin or more yang or more Shiva or more Shakti. I, I really love, I mean, I, my, my, husband, my beloved is, is a very strong, very young, very masculine man. And I love just melting into some like gooey feminine mess around him. Like he, he, because of the pull that he holds, it allows me to really be in my, what I would call my deep feminine. Now, what's exciting about bringing those two energies together sexually is that we've also got a lot of fluidity. Like he knows and loves to be more in that relaxed feminine place in his receiving place. And I love to get on top and be a little bit more assertive or directional or initiatory. And we might go back and forth and go all around and and swap places in, in terms of that energy, like literally moment by moment by moment by moment. Now, one of the big differences or one of the reasons that's so much fun to play with is I'm a very small woman and he's a very large man. So even when I like go into my young, I mean, it'll kind of make him laugh, but you know, he could flip me and pin me in a heartbeat. There's no actual real contest there in terms of we're just talking about strength, but there is, so this, this dynamic is so much fun to play with. And I would say certainly early on in my twenties, when I was feeling really stuck around my sexuality, um, I didn't know how to play in that. I didn't know how to name it. I didn't know how to talk about it. And that was a huge breakthrough that came through the channels of Tantra for me. Well, being a top or a bottom is something we talk about in queer world and, and what you're describing is being versatile, which is awesome. Yeah. 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 So when you, when you met your now husband, had he, mm-hmm. was he also well-trained in Tantra? Was he someone, no. or did you t- know? <laughs> not at all. No, not at all. Which is what I would say about Michael is my husband's name is that he, he's naturally Tantric. So what do I mean by that? He, it, there wasn't a lot he didn't know the names of the practices, but he knew how to drop into that energy very quickly. He knew how to dance in this sort of this polarity, this, you know, top and bottom energy. He knows how to drop into presence, although he's not like a meditator, if you will, but he knows how to do that. There's a, there's a huge piece that I feel like we haven't touched on maybe enough, which is the heart, you know, like at I, I believe that love is really at the heart of Tantra. Yeah, talk about it. Saying yes to life, like loving life, but also really connecting deeply there. And so, you know, one practice that I would offer that we always include in any, you know, Tantric time that we have together is, you know, first of all, getting grounded and getting present and, 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 Sometimes we just need to sit and talk and sort of, you know, just drain the swamp, if you will, about the day or whatever, but just to kind of land and land and land and land. But then when we feel like we're really ready, then this connection and this opening at the heart is such an important piece. I think it's important for both genders, but I particularly, from what I've learned about women's sexuality and women's bodies it's really, really important to get the heart open 
And you can do that also through breast touch and breast loving because the breasts are the guardians of the heart. And they're kind of the the sentinels, if you will, of like, am I going to stay armored or am I going to melt a little? Is this safe for me? Am I feeling seen? Am I feeling recognized? Am I feeling appreciated? And so the first step around that is to really drop into the heart and to share what it is that you actually appreciate about this person that's sitting across from you, whether they're a sexual partner or not. You could do it with a non-sexual partner, but certainly as a precursor to opening your body to this person is like, what do I really appreciate about you? And are you saying it out loud or are you... Are you? For- yeah, we say it out loud. Yeah, and so when I teach couples this practice, I would I would say, you know, do this dropping in, and then really feel into at least three. I would say three to five things that you can appreciate about this person. And when we do this practice, I like to do something, at least one thing that's physical. You know, so we could be sitting across from each other, we might be standing, and I might just say, you know, babe. You have the finest ass of any man I have ever met, you know, and I might just grab it and squeeze it. And I'm just like, oh, and I might describe it like I just love that little bubble bed of yours and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I might give them some details about it. So I, I do something physical. I usually do something around his heart, which these days would be something like, babe, I love that you are working your ass off to support your two kids in college right now. You are really such an awesome dad. I love the way you tear up when you talk about your kids and how you just demonstrate, you show up, you call. Like, I love who you are as a dad. That's something that really turns me on about my man. I just love how he is that way. So I might give him something about his heart. And then I usually give him something about his brilliant mind because he's, he's an intellect and say, you know, something specific around, you know, I love how you're reading that book, Sapiens, right now. And you get super excited about these pieces about evolution and science and the intersection of that and how you just can't stand it. You just have to stop and say, wait, listen to this. And then you read me that piece and you tell me why it's important to you. And I love that you understand that book. That's an intense book. And you are reading that book and you are into it. So those are just some specific things to give specific examples of what it is that you really, really appreciate about your beloved, right? And then you get to receive, right? And so then he might say, babe, I love those hips of yours. I love how I'm getting my hands around you. Like, and I love that I did it right now. In my brain, I might be saying like, yeah, those hips that are so full of cellulite right now, or that are like at least got an extra 10 to 15 pounds on them that I wish that weren't there, right? So this is our opportunity when we're being appreciated to notice our own self-talk and chatter, because that might not be a part of your body or your essence that you particularly enjoy or have that much appreciation for, but to just also really practice receiving. That is how your partner, your lover is seeing you right now. So then just imagine that you've done this practice and it's beautiful to watch this happen in workshops. So incredible. You know, you, you have two people who are usually in tears or at least their heart is melted open, right? Imagine just that as one practice that you do before you start having sex or before you start making love, how different that is because the heart then is like, ah, open. There's a connection. There's a feeling of being seen and, and seeing on a different level that drops you hopefully out of all of the tendencies we have of criticizing, judging, blaming our partner for not being who we want them to be. And just a chance to really like move into uniting your bodies from a place of more open-heartedness, making love. It's a reason we call it that. <laughs> Absolutely. I like the idea even more as a, as the idea of a practice of this separate thing. I mean, not that there can't be lovemaking after, but just really building it in for its own sake. All these practices, the breathing together, the expressions of gratitude, all the dropping into presence and closeness uh, with their partner. I love it. So that's for the heart. Are there others or are there other aspects that we've, that you could talk about? Any other practices that are cool? These are great. Um, the other practice that I think is really important is awakening all the senses. 
So that literally looks like creating a scene, create, creating a sacred space. You know, early on, Michael got that if he wanted to move us towards making love or sexuality, or he, and he just, he wanted there to even be the possibility of that, that might happen. (laughs) If he just lit a couple candles, suddenly the chances were much, much greater. 100%. It's not that he like loves candles. I don't think he really cares, gives a shit, frankly, one way or the other, if there's candles. I mean, he's learned to appreciate that, but he's like, oh, if I light some candles, something magical happens and she seems to be more open and more receptive to lovemaking, which is true. So even that's so simple. But so then connect the dots for what is it about the candles that, that makes it work? Well, okay. So many pieces of that. For me, it, I mean, all, all we have to do is turn the lights off and light a candle and see what happens to your body, right? It, dro- it drops us into something more primal. For me, it drops me into ritual space, into like a temple, sacred time space, it literally makes my body relax, like the soft animal of, of my body. To borrow a phrase from Mary Oliver, soft animal of my body, right? Just see what, what shifts for you. But for me, it's like, oh, right, we're entering into sacred space. It's why we light candles in churches and temples. There's something really beautiful and powerful about that. It's one of the greatest tools that any goddess or priestess has is to light a candle. And so even something that's simple, but then to extend that into, you know, to really create a space for lovemaking. So this takes a little prep. This isn't like midweek, you're exhausted. You've like worked a really full day. You've dealt with kids, you've dealt with chores, you've dealt with whatever. And you're like, okay, it's time to make love. And you're like, oh shit, now I got to do this whole tantra thing. And I got this whole laundry list of things I got to do. And you're like, whatever, man, I just want to have an orgasm and go to sleep. There's nothing wrong with that. That's beautiful. But what I'm talking about are more of these times where we set aside time to go to the movies. We set aside time to do all these things. Why don't we set aside time for lovemaking? You know, thousands of years ago when the Kama Sutra was written and these tantric practices were coming to the fore, there wasn't thousands of things to entertain us and distract us. Like making love was one of the primary forms of entertainment, right? So to bring that back. And so that might look like putting out the sheepskin and, you know, throwing a beautiful red scarf over the lamp and lighting some candles and looking at what can I do to, to really honor and awaken all of my senses. So we've got the visual field. What am I seeing? What, how am I actually, what am I putting on my body? Is that beautiful? Right. Like what, what, what are the, what's the art or the flowers or the things that I could have around that are personally um, powerful for me and my lover for creating that scene. What am, what are we smelling, right? Essential oils or incense or, you know, ways to delight our sense of smell, including our natural body odors, like drop all the deodorant and all that stuff. And like, maybe you just want to be a little like, you know, animal raunchy. That's like our natural pheromones are super turn onable, right? Like that's, what turns us on as animals. And so really looking at like, what are those senses? Or you take a bath with your favorite shampoo and your favorite soaps as well. Exactly. Either way is good. Right. All those like yummy scents, whatever the scent is that turns you on and the, or the combination, the layering of that and, and on and on. What are the, what are the little nibbly tasty things that you're going to have? Like, are we drinking a really nice red wine or a nice little bourbon or a fabulous cup of tea, herbal tea? Are we eating chocolates? Do we have mangoes? Do we have strawberries? Do we have salty, crunchy things? Like what, what's the whole sort of spectrum of things that we could do to delight our sense of taste, including each other? Right. Of course. (laughs) Um, and then, Right. The, the other sense. What are we listening to? Right. What are we feeling on our skin? Beautiful. And and delighting each other that way. Like like let's spend and you might have to start setting a clock to actually 
or having a little bit more awareness of time. Like, okay, we're going to, let's spend 30 minutes just delighting our senses together and then see what state your body's in after that. But yeah, I see when you set the side, because if you don't, then it's easy to rush past it. And it's, it's, it is creating the space where you do it with intention that we make sure that it happens. Make sure that it happens and you actually open the body, right? So this is the thing, like you had, this is, I'm giving you guys ideas and those of you, you know, those of you listening, but you have to practice it and you have to see what makes sense for you because something happens when we slow down, when we invoke the sacred in each other, when we even like, you know, say a prayer, let whatever happens in our time together today be of service to greater love on this planet or greater love between us, right? Or more peace. Like let us practice with that intent that that shifts can shift everything in a lovemaking session, just holding that as the intent. Or just having any intentionality, having, having any intentionality. And, and, and then, also another practice that we do that's super important is desires, fears, and boundaries, which is really just a conversation at the beginning of what is it that we're desiring in this time together? What are our fears or anything that might need to be cleared around that? And what are our boundaries, like physical boundaries, like my right hip is really sore today. So I really need us, if we end up making love to be you know, cognizant of that hip that we're not putting it into positions that are going to be uncomfortable or, um, we've really only got two hours because we have a really busy day tomorrow. So we really need to be like in bed by 11 or whatever, but it's a chance to kind of negotiate what we're wanting and desiring and to actually have that conversation versus just kind of throwing two bodies together. And one person's like, Oh, you know, she wants to cuddle. Right. And the other person's like, Oh, she wants to like, fuck me to God tonight. Okay, well, wait, we have a bit of a disconnect on like, what we're both desiring. So to to be able to speak that to each other is important, I think. And do you make negotiations in that space? Or do you just listen to are you just there to hold space for each other's desire? Well, I think if you've got a real big difference, then yeah, it's important to say like, Oh, that's interesting. Okay, you're really wanting this. And I'm really wanting that's what what's going to actually make sense for us tonight. So yeah, I think it's a chance to negotiate. But first, I think it's important that both people just get to share, you know, and the way we usually do it is I share like I share these are my desires. These are my fears. These are my boundaries. And we actually do my whole like share. And then he does his whole share around that. And then we kind of backtrack and go, okay, well, how about if we do this or that or what makes sense? Does it ever become too much talking? Because lesbians, we have, um, yeah. We don't- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe that's true. Although Michael, he loves chat. He, he tends to be more of a chatter than I am. So it's not, al- it's not always just the lesbians who talk too much. <laughs> totally. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, imp- well, you know, that could be around the boundaries, right? So like, I want us to really drop in my desire is that we really drop in and we have this conversation. But I also really desire that we stop talking and we get naked and we do that for at least an hour. So I mean, you might want to weave that in at the beginning. Or maybe that's a fear. My fear is, we're going to talk so much that we're going to run out of time to actually make love. And that's one of the fears that I'm sitting with today. You know, you could just speak it. Great. Um, wow. These have just been such tremendous practices. So for people who just want to go and keep going and go deeper, are, do you offer courses on this? How can women find you? Um, what are you excited about? Tell, me, tell us about the work that you're doing and how people who want to go deeper can find more. So awakeningshakti.com is my site and there are uh, several different ways to plug in there. I have a six-week kind of introductory foundational program called the Sacred Feminine Activation that really is specifically for women. My work is really, frankly, for women. That's the the bulk of of the people that I'm serving are, I would say, smart, conscious, 
high achieving professional women that want to feel more connected to what I'm calling Shakti, which is really about our bodies being embodied, embracing our sensuality, our sexuality, our hearts really continuing to open these beautiful feminine hearts and what it means to really love fiercely, particularly at this point in our evolution and on the planet when our hearts are breaking so much, like how do we stay open and continue to be um, women who love, <laughs> like who that's who we are, and uh, women that really want to align with their own divinity, that know themselves as sacred or want to bring more uh, of this intimacy with their own soul into not just the bedroom, but into every aspect of who they are as lovers and mothers and leaders. So that's what Shakti is. It's really body, heart, and soul practices to bring us into more balance and into hopefully more joy and more into these magnetic qualities of the feminine so that we're not so exhausting ourselves in pursuit in that hyper-masculine mode of making things happen, but we really learn how to drop into this deep well of our feminine that is at its core creative, right? Just the great creatrix herself. And so that's really what the work's about. I have online programs. I have a monthly membership for women who want to be in sisterhood and in community with other women who are committed to practices like this. And then I'm also a coach. And so I have a private um, coaching practice. I only work with 20 women at a time, but I, I work with clients all over the world um, on the more intimate nitty gritty issues of how this is showing up in your life. So those are the main things I offer. And it, it's just my joy to welcome anybody to come in. There's a lot of free stuff. I have a being a resourced woman program that's a completely free, gorgeous way to get connected with me. So that's probably the best place to begin if you just want to kind of stick a toe in and start to learn more about these practices. I love it. Well, I've had so much fun talking to you here. I'm so grateful that you took the time. This has just been a lot of fun for me. Thank you. And so informative. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and for sharing your time and for this great conversation. Mm, thank you, sweetheart, for your brilliant questions and your presence. And also just for doing this amazing work of putting a podcast out. I know how much work that is. And it's such a gift. It's such a gift of love that you're offering. And I can tell how committed to that you are and how professional you are about it. And so it's just been my joy to contribute what I can to you and your audience. Thank you so much for the invitation. Wow. I'm moved by that. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me to hear you say it. Seriously. Thank you so much. So nice to meet you, Lisa. Yeah, you too. And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a whole lot of things in this episode, but I'm curious, what of the many things we spoke about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including a guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free on my website at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of these things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle Insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding your soulmate faster and easier, and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, 
and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women. 